0: Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com.
1: The Premier League All-Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more. The fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at Labbrooks.com, 18plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply.
2: We, Leeds United, have lost so many of our legends in recent times.
3: Cherry! Oh, he took up such a good possession. Charlton coming up into the penalty area. It's a goal. by Norman Hunter! Laura coming
2: in! One, one. Every time another member of that special side passes away, we all feel it as fans of this historical football club. A group of exceptional players that would no doubt set the modern game alight. A great man led them, and without him, none of it would have been possible. His name
4: was Don Revy. There's never a player going out on that pitch with a white shirt on that's never tried. Fantastic when you think that we've played 38 matches, only lost two, 61 points, and Liverpool are still behind us. They all said that's it. They're finished they're over the hill they're too old and this that and the other and they went 29 matches from the beginning of the season without defeat
2: i'm ralph Ainson actor and lifelong lead supporter and in the next hour we'll pay tribute to don revy's remarkable team of the 60s and 70s and the talented young men he assembled to become not only champions of england but european greats you're listening to revy's angels on Talk sports <laughs> To give a fair and accurate portrayal of the type of manager and man Don Ravi was, it felt important to have someone involved in this programme who played under him as an integral member of the squad, knew him inside out, and has legendary status. That man played an incredible 577 games for Leeds between 1966 and 1983, twice became their manager, and still today attends every Leeds game as an ambassador home and away. Former tricky winger Teddy
3: Gray. Oh, good footwork by Gray. Still going.
2: What a by Eddie we met with Eddie at Allen Road, where he took us through his wonderful Leeds journey and spoke to us in depth about Don Revy. You'll hear from him throughout the programme.
5: Don was right up there with the best managers of the countries have ever produced. You know, when you look back, it was like trying to act like a father figure. He taught us, you know, be respectful to people, show people respect, and Don did
2: that. It wasn't until 2012 that a statue in honour of Don Revy was unveiled. It was fitting that this was where our conversation with Eddie Gray started, and he described how his journey with Don began.
5: When I was growing up in Glasgow and playing football for the Glasgow schoolboys and the Scottish schoolboys, late 50s, early 60s, I'll be honest, we had never heard of Leeds United. It's true, because they were an unfashionable club as far as I was concerned. But when I played with the schoolboys, there was a scout one day come up, his name was John Barr to my dad, and asked me if I'd go down and visit Leeds, and this was in 1962. And I went down, and that's the first time I met Don Revy. And that, was, that made my mind up that I was going to join Leeds United. I mean, I'd been to all the big clubs in the country, and but I, you know, I told him I was going to Glasgow Celtic, but once I visited Leeds and met Don Revy, I thought, that's the man and the club I want to play for.
2: A pragmatic tactician and astute man-manager, Don Revy built a legacy at Leeds United, which still exists to this day. Hull started for him back in 1944 as a youth-level footballer leading the line for second division sides Leicester and Hull before earning a move to Manchester City in 1951, where manager Les McDowell deployed him as a deep-lying centre-forward, a first in English football. He went on to play for Sunderland and in 1958 got his move to Leeds in the first division and was made captain. It was hoped that his creativity and leadership would keep them up. It worked. Even back then as a player his personality shone through on the pitch. Don's son, Duncan, who sadly passed away in 2016, spoke to Talksport about what he was like as a man and father.
6: Well, he was one of those... um, I mean, he was a great man-manager. I mean, that goes without saying. Mm -hmm. And so with myself and my sister, if we were getting too big for our boots, he'd have you down on the floor in seconds. And similarly, if you were on on the floor, he'd have you up on the ceiling in seconds. Mm -hmm. And he was incredibly generous, uh, very loving, and my mum the same so we were we were very privileged in growing up not just in a a household with a very famous uh, father it's completely wrong the image of dad being made from granite yeah he was strong yes he was powerful but he was a great father and a a wonderful wonderful
2: human being don was offered the role of player manager at leeds in march 1961 when they were struggling in division two he immediately made his mark on and off the pitch instilling a set of values and practices which would serve the club well in future years it was december 1962 when Eddie Gray, a month short of his 15th birthday, made his life-changing journey by train from Glasgow to Leeds.
5: I first come down when I was 14, and it was a winter in 1962. And we used to train where the car park is, the other side of the, this stand, the other side of the ground. That was a training ground called Fullerton Park. And there was a little dressing room up there. And traditionally at Christmas, boys from all over the country come for trials. So I was like one of their boys. But just before we went out for a trial, Don come into the dressing room and pulled me out. And he says to me, come here, you're training with me the other day with the first team. I was only 14, so I trained with the first team. So that impressed me right away. When I got the ball, went up to Jack Champman by him, and he booted me up in the air.
2: Don set about transforming the Yorkshire club from the ground up. He developed a successful youth academy, taking as his inspiration the achievements of Manchester United under Matt Busby.
1: Manchester United had well and truly done it. They were supreme soccer champions of Europe. At last, Matt Busby, the maestro of Manchester United, had groomed a team great enough to beat Europe's best.
2: Here's son Duncan
6: again. This animosity, supposedly, between Leeds and Manchester United fans, I don't know where that's come from, because when Dad first became manager at Leeds, the first person he went to see was Matt Busby and asked him to have half an hour, and Matt spent the whole day with him, had lunch, and Dad never forgot that, and then he passed that on to other managers. And, in fact, when Dad was on This Is Your Life with Eamon Andrews, Um, Sir Matt was the final guest So there's a great affinity between Leeds and Manchester United
2: Revy had taken over in adverse circumstances The club was in financial difficulty And in 1961-62 Only a win in the final game of the season Saved the club from relegation to Division 3 But in time the faith in youth paid off As the likes of Eddie Gray, Peter Lorimer, Norman Hunter And Paul Reaney came through the ranks I'm picking up
6: confidence
3: of some of these deep youngsters. wonderful to watch, just look at them. Just turning it down for Lorimer, oh, beautifully shot goal! what a goal! Oh, and what a goal! What a goal by Norman Hunter!
2: Sport journalist Richard Sutcliffe, who wrote the excellent "Revy, revered and reviled, spoke about how Don shaped his team with young players.
7: Don went to Scotland and signed Pete Lorimer. When he was 15, you know, obviously, Billy, he took under his wing as a teenager on his debut. Eddie Gray, he brought down from Scotland. Norman Hunter, he got, you know, he he was on the staff at Leeds as a kid. You know, like Paul Reaney. If you get them young, if you get them when they're 25, 26, then they're grown men by then. If you get them at 15, 16, you can mould them. And he was a father figure. I think if you looked at everything, obviously, they were fantastically talented footballers. But they were a band of brothers.
2: Reverie created a family atmosphere and a sense of togetherness at the club and felt it was important to be a father figure and role model to his younger players, as author Anthony Clavani explains.
8: He transformed the way that, that managers behave. I mean, he turned the football club into a family, so that everybody in the football club, whether it was the star players or the tea lady, were treated the same by Don. You know, he'd be talking and be nice to everybody. He'd send flowers to the tea ladies on their you know, birthdays. He'd be uh, friendly and generous and respectful. He didn't allow anyone to get above themselves. And that was the Really philosophy. Don't put yourself before the side. No room for egos, fancy dance. But also within the club, you know, it wasn't a question of preening prima donnas. I mean, when you think of the talent that they had, you know, uh, the Bremners, the Giles, Terry Cooper, Alan Clark. you know, you just go through every single player. They had immense ability, but none of them had the kind of egos that I think are sadly associated with some of the
2: superstars of today. After new investment at board level, Revy was able to spend £25,000 on Everton's Scotland international Bobby Collins, who was then made captain. Other arrivals included former Manchester City teammate Billy McAdams, forward Ian Lawson, and left back Cliff Mason. Don played his last game in March 1962, before concentrating entirely on management. Revy eventually took Leeds back to the top flight in 1964 and so began one of the most exciting periods in the club's history.
3: Only four now. Leeds take it quickly and it's a goal! Robert! Leeds United win. Revy is the number one in
4: English football at the moment. one we've set our hearts on for eight years now is this league championship.
2: You're listening to Revy's Angels with me, Ralph Heinsohn, on TalkSport. to Revy's Angels on TalkSport, with me, actor and Leeds fan, Ralph Eynson. So, in
3: 1964,
2: we were back in the big time, and Don had already made a massive impact. As well as transforming the youth academy and creating a family atmosphere, he also had changed the colour of the shirts to white, to be like Real Madrid, and got rid of the owl on the club badge. Revy's son Duncan said his dad always had big plans to transform Leeds.
6: Bottom of the second division, no money, uh, an absolute tip of a ground, and uh, I remember taking him, taking me on the pitch and looking around. And this was a, honestly, it was like a, I don't know, a minefield. It was Mm -hmm. just horrible. And he said, "Now, in years to come, son, there'll be boxes. People will come to games at eleven o'clock. They'll have lunch. There'll be shopping malls." And I'm looking around at this ground, and I said, "I thought he's mad."
2: Don treated his players with trust but author Anthony Clavani explains how he was always aware of what was going on outside of their football activities. He wanted to
6: control
8: everything. You know, whether this is a good or bad trait, in some ways it's a great trait because the players all saw him as this kind of surrogate father in a way, particularly the young players who came from Scotland as from, you know, teenagers like Eddie Gray, Peter Lorimer and so on. You know, for example, he would say to them, you know, I don't want you going off into nightclubs having loads of girlfriends. I want you to marry and settle down. And, you know, for him, <laughs> you know, that seems like a weird thing. I and mean, you couldn't do it in this day and age. But, you know, it's very old-fashioned, obviously. And, you know, he wanted control. He wanted control over what the players ate. You know, if they went out to the pub, Jack Charlton and Billy Bremner, they liked to, to drink and they liked to smoke. When they were caught in a pub in Leeds, Don Reeve had heard about it because people would tell him or maybe, maybe had his spies, I don't know.
2: And they got into trouble.
8: He controlled their leisure time.
2: Leeds legend Eddie Gray recalls what he was like with the players.
5: If you got a girlfriend, Don wanted you to settle down as quick as possible, so your life was stable. Most of the boys came from all over the country. And I think Don always think it would help them settle down. They would marry local girls, so they'll no want to leave Leeds United. There was always thoughts in Don's mind. Don was very clever, you know. he think, well, if he marries a Leeds girl, he'll no want to leave Leeds. And so it turned out, you
9: know.
2: From the outset, Revy implemented radical new ideas around exercise, nutrition, and team bonding. Leeds podcaster Dan Moylan tells us more.
9: It was based on simple things, I think. Very, very important to to have that DNA, I think. And Reeve did it around things like bingo and, and carpet bowls where they would all get involved and have these, these shared team experiences because we know that dressing rooms can fall apart when you get individual personalities that start to poison the well, if you like. And there was none of that at Leeds. They were all as one, they were all united around the common cause, and that was their leader, Revy was their leader, and they all got behind him.
2: Revy's attention to detail became notorious, and he installed a new philosophy and DNA. However, what attracted the most attention during his time managing Leeds is the infamous dossiers, which fascinated the media. MP Chris Evans, writer of a new biography on Revy, explained how unique his approach was at the time.
9: The dossiers he created, sending scout admissions out, coming back, you know, all this opt-out, he sits all the time, the amount of, of statistics we've got in football is unbelievable. That started with him. In 1969, he says to the board, we can't afford to pay the players much longer, they've won the championship, they're going to watch more money. Why don't we get a big firm to emblazon a, shir- uh, a name across their shirt? He says there's going to be executive boxes there, he talks about all-seater stadiums. He's talking about these things in the mid-60s, and they've come to pass now.
2: It was something the players bought into too, even Jack Charlton. Who was known to be quite the cynic.
9: We had arguments with Sid over football,
10: but at least we were discussing things about the game that had never happened before. I had my differences with Don, and Don said to me one day, OK, you organise the back and leave the rest to me.
2: Eddie Gray spoke to us about Don's incredible attention to detail on the opposition and how he was advanced in his approach.
5: People now should look back. Teams do it day in, day out now. Don was away ahead of his time way ahead of his time. That's what other people couldn't understand. It didn't bother us. Because we got a lot of information about the opposition, teams we were playing against, how they played, how they lined up. Now, that is commonplace now. And, you know, back then, Don, outside our football club, get ridiculed for it. They, they should look back and Don and think, he was the man that started all this. You know, actually analysing things. You know, he would send people to games and... He would tell him to write a report about the game. He would study it himself. People talk about the great managers, and uh, I don't think Don gets mentioned enough.
2: Revy was also known for being incredibly superstitious.
5: When we were walking down the tunnel, you know, I used to have to find a place to jump in, because you used to have to all like to go out in a certain position. And you know, as you're walking out, I'll go out number three. I'll be four in the line. I just used to have to find a place because I wasn't superstitious at all, you know. But Don was superstitious. Yeah.
2: Although Don's lead side were now blessed with talented players the likes of Bobby Collins, Johnny Giles and Billy Bremner. They were also a side that early into Don's reign was earning a reputation for having an aggressive style.
3: And McQueen is in trouble, and McQueen is off. Oh, my goodness, by Jack Charlton. And the referee surely is going to take some action here. The game looked as though it might erupt before half-time. There were one or two niggly moments. And a fight going off the ball between Hunter and Lee. The fists were flying, and that's been brewing for quite some time.
2: In the summer of 1964, the Football League's official journal featured an article on the rise of dirty tactics and cynical football. They published the disciplinary table from the previous season, with Leeds United at the top, and said, this is the dirtiest team in the country. The Dirty Leeds label was well and truly born, however, after the infamous Battle of Goodison Park in 1964, an FA Cup tie that had turned into one of the most brutal contests to ever take place in English football. Charles Mills, a fan since the 1950s and trustee of Everton in the community, was at the game and has vivid memories of it, including a ferocious tackle by Leeds defender Willie Bell.
10: We had a winger called Derek Temple and Derek was going for a ball. Leeds left back, a fellow called Willie Bell came at him with his foot at chest height and just felled Derek with a boot just under his heart. At that point, my dad got up, and for the first and only time in my life, I heard my dad swear, and it was a dreadful, dreadful foul. Temple was um, stretched off. The crowd were were, were almost um, well in a state of rebellion. There was all you know, you could you could almost feel a riot coming on. Willie's was by far and away the worst foul I've ever seen in my life. I mean, you you just—I don't think it was on the television, so there is probably no television coverage of it but it was it was a criminal assault you know it was gbh No, no other way no other way of describing it so yeah fond memories
2: the on-pitch battle was so explosive that for the first time in a league match the referee was forced to cancel it and send both teams to the dressing room to calm down charles mills felt don Revy got exactly what he wanted from his players and reveled in it
1: and it looks to me as if it's broken out again it's broken out again and now, this time, a complete free-for-all. A match that was being played in such a good spirit has been completely spoiled by a very nasty outbreak indeed between two
10: former England players. I think it went with Rebby, you know, that was what he wanted his players to play. That was the type of player he had, and he he kind of glorified in it. You know, the Norman Hunters of the game, and the Willie Bells, and the Paul Reenies. Charlton himself, Charlton was a dirty player. I think he revelled in it. It probably culminated in the public eye at the Battle of Goodison.
2: After this game took place, whenever Leeds played, there was a sense that opposition teams took to the pitch expecting and preparing for a fight. This was the beginnings of the Dirty Leeds tag. Podcaster Dan Moylan. Told us why he felt the Yorkshire club in particular were picked on because of their physical style.
9: I think it just goes back to to geography and and quirks of that and the personalities involved. And I think maybe Leeds were more overt with it in the things that they did. They adopted kind of a, an ultra pragmatic, ultra professional approach to it, and it just wasn't loved by the media who held other sides in just in higher regard. I think um, we can't discount the uh, the role of the media in how. Reeve's side were were taken and how they've been remembered historically.
2: Eddie Gray felt Leeds were simply able to match others physically, and it was clubs down south who had an issue with it.
5: Our team wasn't as physical, you know, just the same physicality as any other side that played. I mean, it's just that our side could match teams physically, but it could also play if they wanted to play football. And I think that's and actually, when you look back, it really stemmed for down south. The London clubs were resented at the time, you know, because they thought they were dominant, you know, and with the Manchester clubs. Our club were just the same as any other football club. There was a lot of, you know, teams that had physical players. The game's always been physical, but I don't think it's as hard physically now as it was. Players don't get away with things now.
2: By the mid-1960s, Don Revy's leads had become a force to be reckoned with. Their return to the top flight had been an impressive achievement. A top two finish in the league, an FA Cup final appearance and 100 goals scored. They had some hugely talented players and in particular the midfield was something very special. Journalist Richard Sutcliffe was in awe of Revy's talented Crawford players.
7: Billy did his thing and it was absolutely fantastic and people went with him and an inspirational captain. But I think Johnny was always seen as the brains of that team. But what a combination in midfield and then you've got Eddie Gray on the left of that midfield and Peter Lorimer on the right who's pushing forward as well and you know record goal scorer for the club and you look at that midfield and you just think you can't actually better that you know there's been some fantastic midfields Leeds had a great midfield when they won the title in 92 under Howard where you had Gary Speed, David Batty Gary McAllister and Gordon Strachan but even that midfield wasn't up to that Revi midfield because that's just sensational you know you've, you've got a- absolutely everything that you need in a midfield is in those four players
2: Still to come on this special programme on legendary Leeds manager Don Revy, we'll hear some opposing opinions on the dirty Leeds label and how Don led his side to glory.
0: Their halo shines not so brightly as perhaps the halos of some others. In that respect, that's sad because the tables don't lie. That's not fiction, that's not reputation, that's achievement.
2: You're listening to Revy's Angels on TalkSport. You're listening to Ravi's Angels, with me, Ralph Einzen, on TalkSport. During our meeting with Eddie Gray, we sat pit side at Allen Road in the Don Ravi stand, and he spoke with great enthusiasm about brilliant captains Billy Bramner and Bobby
5: Collins. I used to watch Bobby playing for Celtic, and Bobby was a great player, and he went to Everton. And when Don signed him, Bobby would be 35, I think, and everybody thought he's finished. When Bobby came here, he became Footballer of the Year, and he was a man. I think Bobby started the team being able to compete with the best sides because Bobby was a winner. He was always a winner at Celtic. He came to Leeds, he taught all the, how, how the, all the players how to win, and Bobby had no fears. He was only five feet three and took a size four and a boot. But I think he's the most important player. Let's walked walk through the gates Ellen. Ireland. Bremner.
3: A What a superb goal by Bremner. Oh, what a wonderful goal by Bremner. An overhead kick from Jack Charles and
5: flick. Billy was a character. Billy was a one-off. Great, great footballer. You know, if, if, if we were one down in a game, Billy would forget his midfield duties. Whew, I'm going to get the equaliser. If we were drawn, I'm going to get the winner. Nine times out of ten, Billy would do it. See, Don was very clever. I think Don get more out of Billy than any manager, any other manager, I don't care who they were, could have. He's very clever in his handling of Billy, and that's why Billy statue's is out there.
2: In defence, Jack Charlton was an absolute warrior. Leeds-based author Rob Badshie gave us a revealing insight into just how important he was for the club.
6: Charlton coming up into the penalty area. In the
11: goal! He was... Th- talented but ill-disciplined so he would go off you know tactically ill-disciplined he would go off and run upfield but Revy sort of managed to say to him in 62-63 having tried to sell him a couple of times if you screw the nut you'll play for England which seemed a laughable prospect you know he felt that his whole career was going nowhere but he also uh, was one of the very first players to get an FA coaching badge you know in his 20s so he knew that fundamentally what Revy brought to the team was the right approach that this was finally a new way of working that was, that was going to you know, fulfill all his ambitions. And he did screw the nut, knuckle down.
2: Eddie Gray described to us how brilliant Norman Hunter was at the back alongside Charlton.
11: Norman Hunter was one of the best
5: defenders that ever played the game. I mean, never played the game. I think Norman Hunter was a better club player than Bobby Moore.
1: Bobby Moore led England up to the Royal Box to receive the Jules Rimet Cup and the winner's medals. To be here as winners of the FA Cup has often been described as the summit of a footballer's ambition. How much greater was the triumph they enjoyed now. Bobby Moore was a better
5: international player, and I think Norman acknowledged that. But club player, week in, week out, Norman was terrific. And as I say he never get he used to ping that ball with his left foot, cross field passes, left to right, you know, and he was like spot on all the time. Now he was a terrific player and you know, a great lad, you know, he's, and he loved the football. I think he was sort of a someday that Don hung his hat on, you know. He, like, he knew every week what he was going to get for Norman, you know. And that's why he's such a big name at our football club and such a big name in, you know, in English football.
2: But Don still had work to do to reach the very top. They finished fourth in 1966-67, lost to Chelsea in the semi-final of the FA Cup, then got to the final of the Intercities Fairs Cup but were defeated 2-0 by Dinamo Zagreb. Revy was criticised for his negative tactics, something that would become a recurring theme. The late, great Norman Hunter spoke to us a few years back on the team being too conservative at times.
10: Looking back, I thought Don Revy was brilliant. You know, we, when I came at 15, 15 and a half, he was the man. He was a player, then he became manager. But looking back, for what we had, we were a bit too cautious. You know, we had dossiers on players, you mm. know. when you, What we should have done, we should have took care of the set pieces, throw-ins, which we could have done, and then just said, go out and beat them.
11: It's a kind of magic. It's a kind of magic.
2: With his team coming close, but failing to land a trophy, Don brought in a spiritual healer to lift a curse he believed had been placed on Ellen Road so that there would be no bad luck for the 1967-68 season. He also nearly doubled the club's record transfer, buying Sheffield United striker Mick Jones for hundred thousand pounds, who would replace the frequently injured Peacock as the main centre forward.
10: Will this be the long can kick? It's
3: not, but there's Jordan on the far side, and Jones! Oh, and a beautiful goal!
2: Don finally won his first trophy with Leeds lifting the League Cup, beating Arsenal in the final.
1: And that was that, it was all over. Leeds had won by a disputed goal. Their supporters were delighted with the result. till the League Cup was on its way home to Leeds. The first major prize for a Yorkshire side in 33 years.
2: They then were successful in Europe, winning the Intercity's Fairs Cup, but still only managed a fourth-place finish in the league.
1: And the whistle goes. Leeds United
3: go and runners up and runners-up have won the Fairs Cup. The first time a British team has won it, we've had... Four runners up from England, London, Birmingham, City twice, and Leeds United. Runners up the last time and now winners of this trophy, the Fairs Cup.
2: The following season, Don decided to fully focus on winning the championship. His approach worked. Following a 5-1 defeat in October against Burnley, they went the rest of the season unbeaten and lifted their first league title.
4: Fantastic when you think that we've played 38 matches, only lost two, 61 points, and Liverpool are still behind us. Well, the highlights for me are the consistency of the side. Over the past five or six years, they've been very consistent. Only lose two in the best league in the world, out of 38 matches so far, is extremely good.
1: April 1969. League United manager Don Revy and his team are the new league champions. It's a milestone in the club's history and a night of celebration.
2: They secured the championship with a goalless draw against title challengers Liverpool at Anfield. After the game, Revy led his players back onto the pitch to applaud the Liverpool fans, who in turn applauded the Leeds team. Incredible. Well,
4: the memories are with forever, that memory, because Billy Bremer took our team when we won the championship to the Leeds supporters, about 10,000 of them on the left-hand side of the ground. Beyond the goal, then he brought them back to me, and I said, "Bill, take them to the cop." Oh, I don't fancy that, boss. I said, "Go on, take them." So he walked the team, and I can see them walking now towards the cop. And the cop, twenty-seven thousand, went deathly silent, and they let him get within six yards with the team of the cop. Then they all started champions, and they wouldn't let the players off the pitch for seven minutes. And they'd just lost the championship that night, and they roared and roared, and it was a tremendous
5: reception we got.
2: Eddie Gray recalls his manager instructing the side to walk towards the cop.
5: We thought he was daft. We I thought, you're kidding us, aren't We've just won the championship at Anfield and you want us to walk towards the cop. And we started walking towards the cop very gingerly, it must be said at first. But then the cop started chanting champions, you know, and it was a tremendous moment that. And then it rang round the whole ground and started chanting champions. So it was a. I think there was a lot of respect between Liverpool. And Leeds United, you know, in those days. I mean, I mean, people talk about rivalry and now, you know, Leeds United fans talk about Manchester United. But our biggest rivals then were the Liverpool side, probably Chelsea and Arsenal sides. Obviously, Manchester United were always a great club and a great team. But we had some tremendous battles with, with Liverpool. You know, I'm, I'm talking about football battles. I'm not talking about fight. We should look back and we find memory. And that's why that... Instance when we win the championship for the first time at Anfield, it was a bit strange when Don says just walk down to the court they'll they'll give. And Don says they'll give you a great reception, and they did, and he was right.
2: This was a team that played with flair and skill, but was still seen by many across the country as a dirty side. Former Leeds manager Howard Wilkinson spoke to us about how the media would often focus on the wrong aspects of Ravi's team.
0: What the media did was was take the tray, some of the trays of his teams and his players and choose as it were, to highlight those, rather than the big picture, which was one of huge success of, in in particular, uh, in in Don Revy's case, huge loyalty by his players to each other and, and to the club.
2: You know, the media like a fight. Leeds podcaster Dan Moylan thought the dirty Leeds label was harsh.
9: It's unfair looking back on it because... All the teams were at it. You know, you look at the, the 1970 FA Cup semi-final when Leeds and Chelsea kicked lumps out of one another and Chelsea were equally culpable of, of the physical aspects of the game. But it's just one of those tags that, that sticks with the side. And I think not being from London, being from up north, probably swayed the media. And the, the media was a lot more persuasive, the print media at that time. I think it's just one of those things that happened to stick due to the coverage in the papers of that. Leeds were hated by the London media and you could argue still not particularly well thought of today.
2: That 1970 FA Cup final has been re-shown many times and talked about as the dirtiest match ever.
3: Oh, my goodness, the feet. I think it was McCready there. On Bremner, possibly. The feet were really high then and the referees just allowed it to go on. That had to be dangerous play, yes, by Eddie McCready.
2: Ron Chopper-Harris was part of the Chelsea side and spoke to us about the infamous tie. The amazing
9: thing was I think there's only a couple of bookings when you see some of the tackles that, you know, if that had happened the day, you'd have been banned for life, wouldn't you? You know, uh, people could launch themselves in and tackle. If you look at the two sides, the Leeds side and the Chelsea side, they had a back four of, like, Norman and Jack that took no prisoners, and the same with... With, with Chelsea, we had a, a back four that were very aggressive and launched themselves in like you couldn't do today sort of thing.
3: And there goes the final whistle. And Chelsea have won the Cup. Having come from behind twice at Wembley and behind here at Old Trafford tonight.
2: A lot of rival fans still to this day talk about Don Revy's dirty leads. But was this a somewhat unfair label? author Rob Badgey gave his view on why the Yorkshire Club in particular were targeted for their overly physical style.
11: The FA uh, in-house newspaper, the FA News, published in uh, the summer of 1964 a league table of the worst transgressors in English football, and Leeds were at the top of it. Having said that, they hadn't had a single player sent off in their promotion season. They'd had one player suspended Bremner for dissent rather than for foul play, whereas Manchester United, for example, had had three players sent off that season. But it transpired, though it wasn't easily explained in the FA's copy. It was a sanction for the whole club. So although, you know, it's pretty reprehensible to have a lot of youth players sent off and and youth players uh, you know, uh, having problems with discipline on the field, it didn't really tell the whole story that Leeds' first team had not been a particularly filthy team. They had been hard, uncompromising.
2: Former Leeds manager Howard Wilkinson spoke to us about whether Don cared what others thought
0: in terms of the media. They treat him unfairly at times, didn't recognise the achievements as much as they should have done at times. Would that bother him or the players? Probably not. In fact, sometimes if that that sort of feeling's out there about you, it actually makes you stronger. You become closer because you recognise that there is an us and that there is out there a lot more of them.
2: For You're listening to Ravi's Angels here on TalkSport. And coming up, we'll hear about Don's Leeds departure and his fierce rivalry with Brian
1: Clough. I want to win the league, but I want to win it better. Now there is no other reply to that question. No, but because there's... you had won the
4: league. Yeah, but there's no way you could win it better. Why because not? Lo- no, 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 no. But that's the only we don't, hope we don't, I've we're, got. We're doing we're doing we lost four matches now. But that well, I and can
1: that, only uh, lose three.
4: No, 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 no. I couldn't
1: give any other answer.
2: Welcome to the final part of this special documentary reflecting on the career of legendary Leeds manager Don Revy with me, Ralph Einstein. By the late 1960s, Leeds were a formidable force but were often also talked about as nearly men. Don had targeted the treble in 1969-70 and came close to achieving his aim only to fail on three fronts finishing second in the league to Everton losing the 1970 FA Cup final and exiting the European Cup at the semi-final stage. The following season, they missed out on the title by a single point to Arsenal after controversial refereeing in a game against West Brom which left Don Revy fuming.
3: up to the heavens in disgust
2: Although furious with the outcome a year later they got one over on Arsenal beating them in the FA Cup final
3: And Leeds have won the FA Cup for the first time They group around Don Revy The Leeds fans go crazy
2: There was a real unity in this Leeds team and family spirit that saw them through year after year Whatever adversity they faced they would come back stronger and this was thanks to Don. From the late 1960s Leeds were always in the running for the league championship. From 1964-65, their first season in the top division after promotion, to 1972-73, Leeds had won five trophies and finished runners-up in ten. During this time, they had what some might argue an unfair reputation of being too aggressive and playing negative football. Two home games back-to-back in 1972 heavily disputed this idea. The first was a 5-1 thrashing of rivals Manchester United Followed by a 7 nil thumping win over Southampton.
11: Best,
3: you down. Jones. Lorimer. Fine. Lorimer is underneath it. In comes Jones. Eddie Gray's run on the left, a typical run. Balancing himself beautifully as he was attempted to be tackled by Stokes. The long cross. Lorimer's header. Down to Jones, who put it in for number seven. To say that Leeds are playing for Southampton is the understatement of the season. Poor Southampton just don't know what day it is. Every man jack of this Leeds side is now turning it on. Oh, look at that! It's almost true.
2: In the final moments against Saints, chants of Olay were heard as supporters cheered every pass. There were 39 consecutive at one point in a game that saw Peter Lorimer score a hat trick and Alan Clark net twice with Jack Charlton and Mick Jones grabbing the others. 1971 saw Leeds win the Fairs Cup once again, this time beating an impressive Juventus side at Ellen Road. The following season, Leeds were nearly men once again, losing two cup finals to Sunderland and Milan just eight days apart. The late, excellent Leeds defender Trevor Cherry, who sadly passed away in 2020, told TalkSport how everything went right for Sunderland during that FA Cup final.
8: To be fair, on the day, not many times it happened, but Sunderland outfought us. Um, They battled harder. They did get a few breaks, which I think the lads, I'm close to Dave Watson and players like that, they'll admit that themselves, Mm -hmm. but everything went right for them on the day, but their attitude and they actually outbattled us. And I think, to be honest, if we'd have got one goal, we might have taken taken them for three or four, but we didn't get that one goal. So uh, that's history, if you like.
2: At the end of the 1972-73 season, a dark cloud formed over Ellen Road and it concerned Revy himself. He was on the point of leaving the club for a lucrative offer from Everton, and there were weeks of speculation about his future. Olympiakos also courted Don during the summer, but in the end he changed his mind and remained at Leeds for what proved to be his final and title-winning season. And
3: the final whistle goes! Leeds United skipper by Billy Bambler have done it. And Don Revy, the man who's guided Leeds, takes a handshake. The crowd rising to this amazingly united
2: side. Trevor Cherry recalled that ahead of that victorious campaign, Revy decided the shackles were well and truly off and was focused on doing whatever was humanly possible to win the championship.
8: Yeah, the boss said uh, he set his uh, sights on the title there, nothing was going to affect it. In Mm. fact, uh, a true story, we played Man City, I think it was the 11th game in, I think we'd won eight and drawn three. And in Man City away, and the gaffer's team talk about quarter past two was, if you lads are not going to do it for me, I'm going to buy players who are.
2: Leeds stormed to the title with a five-point lead over Liverpool, and at the time, Ravi didn't realise he'd be leaving his beloved club. On May the 1st, England announced the sacking of Alf Ramsey. In July, Don agreed a five-year contract to be the new manager. Eddie Gray told us he was surprised at the time.
5: I know the England job does not come up very often, but when we won the league, 73-74, I thought Don would have stayed on to have a go at the European Cup. We went to the European Cup final under Jimmy Arnfield. I think one of the reasons Don left is, is because he'd all the players for 10, 12 years, some a little bit longer. I mean, you're talking about 74, I joined in 62, 63, Peter 62. I think he thought a lot of the players are getting older.
2: Revy made recommendations to the board as to who should replace him. He suggested Bobby Robson, who declined, and Johnny Giles. But once the board knew Billy Bremner was interested too, they feared appointing one or the other would split the camp. Johnny Giles gave his perspective on it to talk sport. I was really surprised at that because it never, it never
4: crossed my mind that actually I, I wanted to finish mm. playing. I was 33, I'd had an injury the year before, but I was okay, I was playing again. I had no great ambitions to mm-hmm. be manager of Leeds United, and he said he'd rec- he was recommending me. And as it turned out, the board turned down his recommendation. It left me in a position where I was uh, turned down for the job that I hadn't applied for.
2: A shock name was subsequently chosen as the new Leeds United manager, Revy's great nemesis, Brian Clough.
1: I think they've been champions and they've not been good champions in the sense of wearing the crown remarkably well. I think they could have been a little bit more loved. You know, there are a lot of people jealous of people who are successful, uh, but having said that, apart from that, Leeds were disliked and are disliked and it's only been the last 12 months where they've started to earn, you know, a bit, a little bit of applause from everybody. I want the job because they're a, a top club, if not THE top club, and I want to be a manager of the top club.
2: Clough's time at Leeds lasted just 44 days, a complete disaster. So much so, a novel was written about it called The Damned United by David Peace, followed by the film with the same name, released in 2009. Clough and Revy were seen as bitter enemies with their opposing styles, David Pease spoke to us about how the rivalry started.
8: Clough looked up to uh, Revy and to Shankly. When he took over, particularly at Derby, he really aspired to turn Derby into a kind of of new Leeds United. And he kind of revered him. And, And, you know, there is an argument that when Leeds came to play Derby County, Clough was really excited and was really couldn't wait for this moment and was, you know, longing to meet Revy and to have a chat and to to, you know, kind of almost become friends, but he felt, you know, um, Revy brought the Leeds team and Revy, you know, my understanding of Revy was that he was just an utterly focused, consummate professional who was only interested in winning and wouldn't have been bothered about, you know, glad-handing or kind of like getting to know Brian Clough. And and, and Clough seems to have taken that kind of as a personal slight.
2: Clough told his players during his first training session with a Leeds squad that had won several major trophies, that they should chuck their medals in the bin, as they had won them all by cheating. Eddie Gray told us he spoke to Clough years later about his ill-fated spell in charge. He
5: actually says to me, I did it wrong when I come in. Brian's biggest problem was him and Don never really seen eye to eye. The two of them were great managers. I mean, although Brian Clough never did it at her club, he on only prove to be one of the greatest managers the country's ever had. He I mean, won two European Cups at Forest, and Nottingham Forest are doing well. Nottingham Forest
3: have done it, the European Cup... Have come to Nottingham
2: as for Don's time as England manager, it wasn't much better. Author of Disrepute, Robert Endicott, explained how he struggled partly because he was unable to recreate that family atmosphere he built at Leeds.
7: Don Reeve at Ellen Road was a hands on manager, of course, and saw the players virtually every day. Uh, with the England job, you, you rarely see the players, yet you've got to work with them and try and foster this, this uh, family spirit, which. It's a great idea, but it's never going to work.
2: With results not going well, Revy faced a lot of criticism early on and sensed he was disliked by FA chairman Sir Harold Thompson. He was soon looking for a way out. On the 12th of July, 1977, Revy revealed in an exclusive to the Daily Mail's Jeff Powell that he was quitting the England job to become manager of the UAE. It shocked the nation. But Duncan explained how his dad jumped before he was pushed.
6: He knew for a fact that he was going to get the sack, and he also knew that another manager had been tapped up for the job. It wasn't a rocket science either, because unless Italy, I think, lost lost to somebody, some minnow, then they were going to go through, and they subsequently went through. And A, a lot of people forget that in those days, only one team qualified. And so Italy pipped us to, to qualification, and then went on to win the World Cup. By the way,
2: author Robert Andecott said Don had become a different person to the one everyone saw at Leeds.
7: Don Reeb, I think, uh, was a, a more tense figure and more stressed figure than he had been at Leeds. Even though he had his, he certainly had his dark times there as well, but this was another this was another level of darkness almost. And I think, uh, if I remember rightly, Elsie mentioned how he was definitely not the the, uh, the cheerful person that she. She knew from uh, recent times And I think, yeah, he he definitely struggled with it His mental health probably, probably suffered a little bit as well
2: The FA suspended Revy from football for 10 years On a charge of bringing the game into disrepute Something which Revy contested in a lawsuit against the FA And was subsequently overturned Many in the football world have since spoken out At the way Don was treated And felt it was incredibly harsh Revy's reputation was certainly tarnished for a while By what had happened He was seen as greedy and a failure Son Duncan described how difficult it was at the time.
6: We felt that it was so unjust and it was so unfair, and the image that was then portrayed. And I think b- because the fact that it came out exclusively in one newspaper, mm. the rest of the press turned on my dad. And I think that he might have done something different. But then Jeff did help us out uh, on many things, and um, so he felt obliged in that respect as well.
2: In the years gone by, that special lead team under Don Revie had been spoken about in high regard it's fair to suggest, outside of Leeds, they probably haven't been given the credit they deserve. There are many who feel they should have achieved a lot more. Eddie Gray certainly thinks so.
5: We still should have probably won more. I mean, going back to the 70 Cup final, we should have won the Games. We never, but we should have won them. So, whether it's luck or lack of concentration in certain areas, the one thing I will say that every year I played under Don, we were always challenges for the top trophies. And that in itself... Uh, you look back in that period in the club's history with a lot of pride.
2: Because of the amount of times Leeds finished runners-up in the league, the three FA Cup final defeats, the two European Cup finals they lost, it's perhaps fair to say Revy's legacy is one of respect rather than elite. But in the city of Leeds and walking around Ellen Road, it's clear that Don and these players will forever go down in history as absolute legends. In spring 1988, a special reunion took place at Ellen Road of the Leeds players and their old boss, Don Revy. Just a year later, Don sadly passed away from motor neuron disease. With so many of that incredible side passing away in only the last year or so. Peter Lorimer, Jack Charlton, Norman Hunter, Trevor Cherry, Terry Cooper, Mick Bates. Eddie Gray reflected on how hard it's been.
5: Friends for since I was a kid. Peter was my roommate all the time we played. Mick Bates and I grew up together on the ground staff and were great mates. And great mates with a lot of the players. That's that's the thing about you know, in later years, obviously, up to a couple of seasons ago, we used to see each other, you know. I would have an occasional party in the house and they'd all come round and you know. I still talk to still talk to Johnny, Giles regular. It's just so sad so many of the players have passed away in such a short period of time. But what the players did for the football club, it'll never be forgotten in the city. Uh, and never forgotten especially with legionated fans.
2: Is Don Revy appreciated and valued enough all these years later? A complex character, which meant he wasn't as revered in the same way as Bill Shankly and Brian Clough. One thing's for sure, Revy and that Leeds side will certainly never be forgotten. He did wonders for our club and City. It was a truly great side with some special individuals.
3: Here's Bremner, here Leeds. A good ball, nice ball to Gray. And a goal, a glorious goal, a superbly executed And here's Giles! It's there! Giles was equalised. Headed out to Bremner. A beautiful goal by Bremner. What cool picking by Bremner. Jones in on eight and a goal! Oh, and what a goal! What a goal by Norman Hunter!
4: What you must remember is this that that team was written off by the press and television in 70, in 71, in 72, and in 73 when we lost against Sunderland and AC Milan, they all said, that's it. They're finished, they're over the hill, they're too old, and this, that and the other.
3: Cherry! Oh, he took up such a good position! Salton coming up into the penalty area. Into goal, hole. Lorimer coming in! 1-1! One, one. Oh, and what a goal! What a goal by Norman Hunter!
4: And last season, with all these injuries and all these suspensions, we only lost four matches out of 42 and won the championship. Our record is there to be seen for 11 years.